Well, praise God. So, hey, yeah, amen. Don't forget, everyone, we're going to have one more Wednesday night midweek service in this same kind of format, amen, where you kind of do a dinner reservation, if you remember, and, and uh, let us know. But then the next Sunday, we have our, we're going to put our sanctuary back together the way it was, and we're, we're going to restore our youngest kids' classes and just going to get back to the Lord's business the way we were doing it before. So, hallelujah. And uh, praise God, just continuing to believe for favor. Um, but we just got to, like I said, just be about the Lord's business and, and never really endeavor to stop. But uh, praise God. And uh, you just know that you're being declared over and prayed over every day from a sincere heart that no evil shall befall you. Amen. Amen. And every, no plague, excuse me, shall come nigh your dwelling, not even near your dwelling. Amen. I believe in God's keeping power. And uh, so anyway, praise God. Hallelujah. I want to invite you to turn your, in your Bible to two openings this morning as we get started. Uh, to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter. And then we'll go back to Hebrews chapter 12. And, um, you know, I, I purposefully abbreviated praise and worship. I, we're going to be receiving communion at the end of the service. So uh, if you did not get a communion element packet, a little cup like this, you'll have an opportunity at the end of the service uh, to get one of those. And if you're worshiping with us online, get you something that will represent the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus and participate with us. It's going to be a powerful moment, I believe, at the end of the service. And, you know, uh, what I believe that, just to give you the end before the, at the beginning here, I really believe that, that God would have us all consecrate ourselves afresh and anew to Him, to His plan, to His service as we prepare to leave this building today. So I've been saying on and off and on uh, and ministering off and on over the last several weeks that a shaking has come to the earth. A, an end time sign is definitely being seen. Jesus said in the last days, there shall be pestilences, outbreaks of epidemic, pande- uh, pandemic, uh, contagious diseases and uh, different things like that. And there'll be other birth pangs that come. And I mean, this generation, the last, you know, just, I don't have time. Maybe I will soon get into a series on the end times. It's been something I've studied pretty diligently for 20 years. I'm no expert, but I do know something. It's sad, a lot of pastors know nothing about what the Bible says about one third of its text. You know, uh, comparatively speaking, for every one verse that's spoken in the Bible about Jesus' first coming, and there are many. There are seven for every, that speak of His second coming. And I mean, there have just so many, been so many mind-boggling signs fulfilled in just the last little bit that you don't even have to be paying attention and you should still know that something's afoot. And that Jesus is coming back soon. You know, Brother Hagin was used to the Lord to prophesy many things. And one of the things he said, talking about an end time outpouring of God's Spirit, a great revival. He said, many of my own people will not go with it. They will not receive it. They just will not. And uh, so you have to just decide, are you going to go with the Holy Ghost in this last day or not? Um, Praise God. God wants to move in ways that are uh, not religiously popular. 
Amen. Uh, that don't fit into our denominational boxes of dignity and how church ought to be done. And, uh, you know, so God wants to pour out of his spirit. But he's, you know, he said by the Holy Ghost, talking about Brother Hagin, that about this mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost that would come, but that many will not go with it. Many of my own people will not go with it. And they will not be ready to meet me at my coming. And this is articulated in the scriptures in many different facets and different ways. That there's a, a segment of the body of Christ that Jesus is their Savior, but they will be ashamed when they see Him. We're admonished in the Scriptures to live our lives in such a way that we will not be ashamed before Him, meaning in front of Him, at His coming. So it is, and He's not talking to the heathen. He's talking about people who are heaven-bound. But when they see Jesus in that moment, they're not going to rejoice. They're going to instantly be ashamed. Now, why would that be? Because they know they're not living the way they should be living. Hear from the Spirit. Have eyes to see. Have ears to hear. I want you to be ready to meet the Lord. Where when you do see Him, you go, Shazam, come here. I have been looking for this day. I have been living for this day. I do not want you to have to go, oh God, I'm sorry. I know I screwed up. <laughs> I don't want that moment for you. I certainly don't want people who have been told by the modern seeker-friendly church that you're okay when you ain't okay. And then you actually hear the Lord say, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. There is a scripture where Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into my kingdom. What's that mean? There are people that they think Lord's Lord and Lord ain't Lord. And if you're not living like the Lord is Lord, then He ain't Lord. We're already preaching good anyway. But anyway, I, I, I tried to work at the Lord's leading to create. I've got you know, a good amount of time here. So you got a few minutes? Yes. It's n nothing, none of this is, is to be heavy or bad, but amen, we, there's a shaking going on. Yeah. And already not everybody survived the shaking. Yeah. Out there in the body of Christ, there's all kinds of... So we're going to talk about this again today. Amen. And uh, I'm just going to get right to the chase. Give you Just get to the meat. Right? And uh, so, praise the Lord. Let's read these texts. 1 Peter chapter 4 and uh, verse 17. I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified. And it says, For the time has arrived. The time has arrived for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the end of those who do not respect or believe or obey the good news of God? There's a lot of people who know the good news of God. They don't obey the good news of God. Peter's saying by the Holy Ghost, what's going to end, the end of them going to be? And if the righteous are barely saved, what will become of the godless and wicked? Well, it won't be good. Therefore, those who are ill-treated and suffer 
in accordance with God's will, must do right, what? While you suffer. Believer, you and I have enjoyed, I have enjoyed a lifetime in America of relative peace and prosperity all the time I've tried to live as a Christian. But we are going to be, as a people, less and less tolerated and less and less popular and accepted. And we're going to be viewed more and more and more as the problem by the secular world and, God forbid, by government. And we will, and we need to prepare our hearts to be willing to suffer for the Lord's sake. Suffer what? Not sickness. We're redeemed from that. Not poverty. We're redeemed from that. Not destruction. We're redeemed from that. I'm talking about the suffering of the loss of your so-called reputation. Maybe your, your friends list will suffer. God forbid. That you have... 20 followers instead of 45. You know? The Bible says that all who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And I don't want you to fall away because you get less popular. You're popular with the one that matters most. That's who I want to be popular with. You know, the God who created everything. And so those who suffer in accordance with God's will must do right and commit their souls in charge as a deposit to the one who created them and will never fail them. That's God's promise. Praise God. Now go over to Hebrews chapter 12. Yes, glory. You know, and the great thing is this is easy for someone who really does know God personally. But if you've just had a religious, theological paper, impersonal relationship with Jesus, it's going to be hard for you. Because it's hard to suffer persecution for somebody you don't know. I'll suffer for her if I had to, because I know her. I'll suffer for my kids, my staff, my church family, because I know them. And I'm happy to suffer for Jesus. Because he suffered for me. He gave his life for me. I deserve to go to hell. A reveler, a partier, a drunker, a rioter, a murderer. That was me. But yet he loved me. He gave himself for me. And pursued me when I didn't even show any interest. On the heels of Brother Paul, all the, every joint he smoked and every place he ran to and every dark dive. Come on, he's already told you this story. God loved him, died for him, forgave him. Unless you think, well, I hadn't done any of that. I'm Mrs. Holy. No, you're going to go to hell too without Jesus. (laughs) He's not impressed with your good cooking. And you're stopping at every stop sign. All have sinned. All have fallen short. All are hell bound. Except for the new birth. And if I have to suffer for him, that I can live forever. If there's a number that would define eternity, it would have to be zero. 
It's just, you know, what number would you give it? It's just endless, endless, endless. You multiply any number by zero, what do you get? You just cancel it out. So let's say God blesses you and you get, you know, uh, God's as good as you as he was to our precious brother Bill who's in heaven now. 91 years. What's 91 times zero? Zero. Cancels out. You know in this zero sum time that you have on planet earth, the way you live in this zero sum time is going to define how you live for eternity. Not where you live. Accepting Jesus determines where you live. How you live. The degree of reward you receive. Amen. How you live for the eons, beyond eons, the zero is going to be defined in however much time you and I get on this planet, however much time we have left. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. And, and, you know, Xbox is going to get burned up and the PlayStation is going to get burned up and Facebook is going to get burned up and Instagram is going to get burned up and YouTube is going to be gone. He's not impressed. Anyway, help me, Father, not to get off track. Hallelujah. So there's a shaking coming on and going on. It, God's doing some things in this shaking with the world. But it's also a shaking going on in the church. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 says, But you are come unto Mount Zion, the church, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the what? The judge of all. And to the spirits of just men made perfect by the new birth. If I could clarify that for you. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. See that you refuse not him that speaks. That's up to you. For if they escape not, talking about the children of Israel, that first generation. You know, God chose them. He delivered them. He got them out of the world. He got them out of Egypt. He separated them. He revealed himself to them. He blessed them. They rejected him. They wouldn't believe him. They disobeyed him. And they didn't escape the judgment. Even though they were chosen. Even though they were favored. Even though God said, you're my chosen people now. God just didn't excuse their rebellion. Their disobedience. Their lack of faith. They failed to live in God's blessing. And they became corpses in the wilderness. They were overthrown in the wilderness because of those things. Even though God chose them. Even though He loved them. You know, God chose you. That's what this verse is trying to say. Just like that. God chose you. And God loves you. And God loves me. But don't think that in a time of judgment or shaking that we're going to escape because of grace. (laughs) How shall we escape... If we turn away from him that speaks from heaven, verse 26, whose voice then what? Shook the earth. But now he is promised, saying yet once more, I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. This heaven is not heaven up there. God's abode is not shaken. It's perfect. You don't even need to dust heaven. 
You know what I mean? There is no dust there. There's no light bulbs to change. The heaven that's implied here means the heavenlies or the spirit realm. Praise God. Verse 27, very important scripture. And this word yet once more signifies the removing of those things that are shaken. Why does God shake things? So that they might be removing, removed. God shakes stuff. And if it breaks loose, you know what he says that means? Wasn't supposed to be there. <laughs> because whatever's me, don't break off. So I've got to shake your life. And whatever comes off wasn't of me so good that it broke. And you know what some of that is? People. Get those people off of them. Those ungodly sinners that are tempting them all the time. Break them loose. Some of them, it's a habit. No more looking at naked girls for you. I'm going to shake this off. If I have to bring it public, I'm going to bring it public. I'm going to expose you because I love you. And I'm going to get you set free from this thing. It's called a shaking. (laughs) Some of you that are married need to say, sorry, sweetie, kiss me real quick. Let's get together. Because I hadn't been treating you right. Whatever. But that's why God shakes stuff. So that the things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. See, if it can't, if it can't be shaken, it remains. That means God's okay with it. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptable. These just those words get me every time. There's an acceptable worship. There is an unacceptable worship. God does not receive unacceptable worship. Cain came with an offering. He goes, I'm not see, receiving that. You didn't bring the right thing. The only offering I accept. He appreciated God brought him something, but nothing died. He brought him plants, the fruit of his farming or whatever. The only, see, he's trying to get Cain to see something. The only way you and I can be okay is if something dies because you're a sinner. The reason Abel's offering was accepted was because something died. Blood was shed. Think about that communion cup there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God said to Cain, listen, if you'll do right, you'll be accepted. But if you don't, sin is at the door. So this gets me to what I want to... The meat of this is I want to talk to you for a moment about cooperating with spiritual laws. You see, God has created natural and spiritual laws that govern everything. You know, and there's a lot that God just doesn't have to do. He's the way he's so wise. He set it up, you know, like the laws, the natural laws of the four seasons. It's not like God is, okay, don't let me forget. when the, we get, Did you set the fall season alarm? Because I have to be sure to pull the fall button so the trees know to, and the weather to change. Don't let me forget. No, God, He instituted a natural law. He doesn't have to do anything. Once He set the law, the four seasons in motion, it just does it. He doesn't have to do anything else. Right. 
And so He created all of these natural laws and physical laws, but there are spiritual laws too, and they work the same way. They work the absolute same way. And what you have to understand is, you know, uh, a lot of what's happening in judgment, when God judges, really what He's allowing is the full cycle of His laws to work. One of the spiritual laws, I'm going to say, if it's not the greatest law, I'm talking about law operation in, in the kingdom of God and in the world, I don't know what other law it might be. I, I'm, I'm not all that smart, so there, God knows everything. I don't know everything, so there could be something higher. You get my point. But it's way up there on the list, and that's the law of sowing and reaping. The law of sowing and reaping is both a natural and a spiritual law. And God turned that law loose on all the created universe before Adam ever took his first breath. Another one of the great spiritual laws is the law of sin and death. And everyone out there that you know that has not accepted Jesus Christ is being governed by that law, the law of sin and death. They are the product of Adam's seed. And it ha- all of this sin and death, the product of disobeying God's commandments, rejecting God in relationship, has produced sin and every form of death that's out there. One of the, you know, and we just see all kinds of forms of death. One of the most heartbreaking and most actively current forms of this death that we're seeing in our nation right now is racism. Racism. And it's real. And it's wrong. I'm telling you, it's wrong. Wrong. And Amber and I, we've talked about this. Our heart just breaks. It's just so wrong. It's wrong. I don't know if he does, but I wouldn't imagine if, if Jerry Sr. back there had, has to, had, had to have conversations with his son, Jerry Jr., about being a man with dark skin. I don't ever have to have things. I don't have to have what kind of conversation? Like, be careful about how you interact with a police officer. I've never had that conversation with my son, but maybe, maybe Malachi has to hear that. Maybe Micah has to be concerned. It's wrong. It's not right. And that cop, I, I'm patriotic. That cop killed that guy. And I just, I just know if it was me that passed a counterfeit $20 bill across the counter, I probably wouldn't have an officer's neck, knee on my neck. I don't know, but it's just wrong. And white people, if you don't get it, that it's wrong, you need to wake up and just get it that it's just really not, it's just not right out there. Now what everybody's doing burning all the cities down is stupid and dumb and demonic and criminal too. But listen, don't just try to put it in. You're not going to fix it with sociology. You're not going to fix it with with reconciliation. You're not going to fix it. The only way you're going to fix it is to get people set free from the law of sin and death. You got to get the love of God into people. When you get the love of God into a white person, you get the love of God into a black person or a brown person, the love of God is going to change them. You really got the love of God in the inside. You can't hate nobody no more. Can't. And if you do, you're not a real Christian. Not a real Christian. 
I will never forget. I was in the ninth grade, and I didn't have a car yet, and I was going to school on the bus. We had one black boy in our school. And I told a racial joke. And I didn't realize he was there. And I turned around. Everybody was laughing. But I'll never forget, Micah, the pain I saw in this little boy's eyes. Not long after that, his family moved him out of school. And I didn't know Jesus back then. But I, I don't care. I never, for, I never forgot. You know what I did? But see, when the love of God gets in you, it reigns supreme. And see, I don't see color today. I just don't. I raised my kids that way. But you know, Brother Hagin, you ought to go out to my bookstore and get his, Brother Hagin's book called I Believe in Visions. You ought to get that, find that chapter called uh, America's Last Call. Because Brother Hagin saw, had a vision way back in 1950. And he saw cities, not just one, cities as burned out holes. And it was happening not because of racism. That might be the natural igniter. But because the American Christian church had rejected the national call of God on our nation. These things are spiritual before they're natural. Amen. We have to get, people have to see that they're under a law. They're under a law that rules them, the law of sin and death. But Romans chapter 8 verse 2 says, Thank God, Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. So there's the lower law of sin and death, but there's the higher law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that will set you free from the law of sin and the law of death. Hallelujah. But see, ever, like natural laws, spiritual laws, they are, this is the way they work. They are impersonal. The law of gravity does not care how sweet you are. The law of gravity does not care how much you pray. It's a law and it's impersonal. It doesn't care. It doesn't go, oh, we're only working on females today. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're black or white. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. It doesn't matter if you're young or old. Like we just read tragically. You guys witnessed this horrible event. Whatever happened to that lady? Oh, she lived. She fell 40 feet in Fern Cliff area, off a cliff. Well, what got her? Did the devil get her? No. The law of gravity got her. I'm sure she's a great person. I'm sure she's very sweet. The law of gravity wasn't picking on this lady. She set a law in motion, and it works every single time. The law of sin and death works. 
It works on every person every single time. It doesn't matter how many stoplights you stop at, how many cookies you bake, how many times you volunteer at the hospital. If you don't accept Jesus as your Lord, you are under the curse of sin and death. And if you stay that way and you physically die, it's over. It is over. That law's going to work on you. Oh, no, God loves me. The law of sin and death is going to work on you unless you tap into the higher law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So let's go to Galatians chapter 6, and I want to say some things, and let's talk a moment about this law of uh, sowing and reaping. Now, I know every one of you in here, right, has, has used or heard the phrase, you reap what you sow. In, how many of you have done that? You've heard it, you've used it. You, you know it, this is not new to you. But this might hit home a little better though. How many of you are living your life every day in full knowledge and awareness that that law is working for you in every area? Oh. Not as many. Every word you speak is a seed. Every choice you make is a seed. Every decision you make is a seed that will produce a harvest because it's a law. And I know you think you're special. (laughs) That you're the exception to the law. That you're so special to God that you can sow to the flesh and not reap corruption. That you can make bad choices and expect good outcomes. People are doing that every day. Christians doing it every day. I'm going to make a bad choice. I'm not going to have a pastor. That's a bad, unscriptural choice. But I'm expecting God to bless all my endeavors, answer all my prayers. In other words, you want to make a bad choice and have biblical outcomes, blessed outcomes. You are deceived. You, there are men and women, they believe they can enter into a marriage and be a J-E-R-K jerk squared. And so jerk seed. And receive love, honor, and respect in the marriage from their partner. And when they don't get it, they're scratching their head going, I don't understand why God won't bless me. <laughs> See, so when these things show up, Bad things show up. I've seen it this month. You know, I've just seen it. Bad things show up and people go, how come God? And they blame God for their problems. When it's not God, God is just hands off. All he's watching is his law of sowing and reaping work for you and for me. Oh, it's true anyway. Hallelujah. It's tight, but it's right. Listen to this reference. Psalm Psalm 89, verse 34. Psalm 89, verse 34 says, My covenant, God says, My covenant I will not break. And I will not alter the thing that has gone forth out of my mouth. So when God uttered to Adam, 
you are free, bud, to eat from any tree in this garden. But I'm telling you, you need to choose not to eat of this tree called the knowledge of good and evil because it's mine. See, God's fair. He says, you're a free moral agent. You're not a robot. I don't want a robot. I gave you the right choice. And people need to get that. I, I had one person tell me that they believe that they are an automaton. They are just shy of a robot. God is pulling all the strings. Where did they get that goofy idea? Not from the Bible. Not from the Bible. God created Adam, mankind, our first parents, Eve too, put them in the garden and said, you're in charge and I am giving you the divine sovereign right to make your own choices free from my influences. And I want what I want is for you to choose to love me so we can have a real relationship. But the only way that's possible is for me to give you something to choose that's not me. And for God in that moment, it's that tree, that fruit. But He said, you go read it. Genesis chapter 2, around verse 17. You're free to eat from any of this. But He said, listen, if you do, when you do, thou shalt surely die. God's fair. He's just saying, you're free to make any choice you want. But you are not free to choose the consequence. You're, not, you, you're free to sow any seed you want, but you are not free to choose any harvest you want. You can eat this fruit, you're free to do it. I'm telling you not to. If you do, in the day you do it, you're going to die. The law of sin and death came in the day he did that. And because we're all his offspring, we all have the seed of Adam in us. We're all in that sin-cursed boat. And the only way you get free from it, like I said earlier, is to tap into the higher law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Y'all following you tracking with me? But do you see here in Galatians chapter 6 that this is a New Testament scripture? What side of the cross is this passage written in? The far side of the cross. You know, the grace and mercy side, the, 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 the greasy grace and the, you know, the sloppy agape side. That's where we're reading this from. And so Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says, be not deceived. That's the first thing he said about this. Before he tells you what the law is, he said, don't be deceived about it. Next thing you need to understand is God's not going to be made fun of. God's not going to be mocked. And then he gives you this master law. Jesus said himself when he talked about the parable of the sower. Sower soweth the word. Shall reap from the seed he sows. He said, that's the highest law. This is the highest parable. If you don't understand this parable, how are you going to understand any of the parables? Everything in the kingdom runs off this law. In other words, for Jesus to have a harvest of souls, for God to have a harvest of souls, you and me, guess what? He had to sow a soul. He wanted many lives redeemed, but he had to sow a life. See, God himself made himself subject to his own law of sowing and reaping. All of life on this planet is governed by it. And it's working for you. It's working against you. So much of the time, judgment comes in the form of a harvest. Don't call it bad luck. Don't call it an unfortunate event. 
Don't call it an act of God. Call it what it probably is, a harvest. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man sows, does it say fill in the blank on whatever kind of harvest you want? No, that shall he also reap. Now notice verse 8. For he that sows to his flesh shall of his flesh reap corruption, decay, death, other translations say. But he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So I want you to, in this moment of shaking, to be mindful of the law of sowing and reaping. And I want you to also see the love and mercy of God in all of this. Because... God has made a legal way for you to have a crop failure for those bad seeds you sowed not to come up. Aren't you glad? That's the love of God right there. That's the mercy. You want love? You want mercy? You want grace? That's it. God has made a way legally for you and me to look back retroactively and go, oh, can I say C-R-A-P? And I sowed a bad seed to get that crop not to come up. Yes. But you may not like the, the way. The way to render that seed defeated is repentance. Oh, Yeah. That means acknowledge the wrong. It, it means more than being sorry. You know? Repentance means change your mind. Change your direction. So you and I can, thank God, get those past seeds of bitterness, disobedience, rebellion, wrong words, doubt, unbelief, unfaithfulness, all of that stuff from not producing a harvest in our life but the only way to do that, to kill that bad seed, is to repent. And you have not repented if you haven't taken full responsibility, number one. And number two, if you haven't made any changes. You just keep doing it. You just keep doing it. You just keep doing it. You haven't repented. Because repent means change. Now you may stumble along the way and you may say, I need a lot of help and please surround me and encourage me. Because i got a weakness and i got a flesh. But see, this is where people get off. They, you know, they're deceived. God said, don't be deceived. What are they deceived about? Well, here's what they're deceived about. They, want, they, they are deceived in thinking, I can sow to my flesh, but reap from the Spirit. Deception. I can be a serial sinner, unfaithful to church, not pay my tithes, smoke cigarettes, Eat like a hog. You know, people smoke 30, you know, three packs a day for 30 years. They get lung cancer and they're blaming God while God won't heal them. Can't believe this happened to me. Dude, come on. You sowed a seed for 30 years. You're just reaping a harvest. Own it. Just own it. You killed yourself. 
You blew your liver on alcohol. You destroyed, that's what Dr. Jacobs, he gets up here and said, I was a full-blown drug addict and I blew my brains out on speed. I did it. But you could also see through repentance and through a change that God restored his mind. I've seen God restore, you know, livers and heal tar-filled lungs. But you have to take personal responsibility for your choices. You know, you just get to deal with all kinds of situations as a pastor. I'll let you into my world a little bit. Different things I've experienced over the many, many years, not think of any specific event. Huh. You know, you got these, you know, uh, sexual predators out there who think they're just men, uh, you know, that uh, got a lot of hormone and they're out fathering children all over the place. They're not being daddies to none of them. And they want to be right with the church. And they're shocked when I say, you can't be right with the church or God and live like that. I'm not going to be party to the serial destruction of these babies. I had my daddy taken away from me through divorce. I understand what that's like. You're creating that on purpose, you selfish thing. Repent. God loves you. Put the blood of Jesus on that and change. But you can't keep doing that, sowing that seed, and wanting me to shake your hand and act like everything's okay every Sunday. It's not going to happen. And don't think that I'm so hard that I know, listen, I'm not dumb. I'm not dumb. I might be in the ministry, but I'm not dumb. I'm not in the ministry because I'm dumb. They don't have anything else to do to make, you know, make a living. I know some of you are out there sinning. I know who you are and God loves you. And he hadn't had me, you know, move on my heart to rebuke you yet. But you're being given a space of time. You better fix it. If you're sowing a seed to the flesh, you are going to reap corruption from that seed you sow. Yes, you can, boys and girls. You can go out and have all the sex with anyone you want, but you cannot get out of the harvest that's due. Husbands, you can choose to be jerks, to be domineering, Unfaithful. And you're going to reap that one day. She may walk off and leave you and you're going to want to call her a sinner because God hates divorce. (laughs) That's rich. I've been so shocked, so shocked in my ministry in 19 years how many times God has told me, tell them to go and leave your office and file for divorce right now. And that was the word. Of, I shocked by that. You'd be shocked too. But it takes two. And some people are crazy. They're crazy. Living with them has got to be. Wow, wow. You know, husbands and wives, you need to be sweet. Give in to one another. Love each other. Take care of each other. Be faithful to one another. God's watching. Read the book of Malachi. I mean, the prophet Malachi spoke up in Malachi, I think, chapter, early chapter 3 or chapter 2. And he speaks to this young guy. And he says, I'm calling you out, boy. How come I'm hearing in heaven, all the way up in heaven, the tears, the tears of your young wife in my altar because of the way you treat her. Ooh, man, that's heavy red, but it's right there in the Bible. 
A lot of wives. I'm not just trying to pick on the men. But a lot of wives fill the altar of God with their tears because of the way they're treated at home. It's terrible. And God, God's made room, but you need to repent. You need to repent and get right. Okay. <laughs> We're having a good time. You know, if I was sitting where you're sitting and Pastor Nancy was up here preaching this to me, I'd be like, yes, because I like it. I hope my heart needs it. Give it to me strong. I don't mind it. I like it. So we're about to ready to take communion before we go. I want to read one more reference to you. You might write this down or get it off the podcast later. Proverbs 19 verse 3 is a great scripture. Proverbs 19 verse 3, and I'm going to read it to you in the New Living Translation. It says, people, who? Okay, people ruin their lives. Oh, I thought God ruined everybody's life. No, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness. Now get this. The verse ends with this, and then are angry with the Lord. Shazam. Shazam. Hallelujah. Look at that. People ruin their own lives by their own foolishness. And then are angry with the Lord. Don't be that person. If you ruined your finances, you did it. God didn't fail you. I've, I've ruined my finances before too. God's good. If you repent, change. Cut up your credit card if you have to. Stop spending so much money. Get a J-O-B. Have a budget. Pay your tithes. Say no to your flesh. See, what is the destruction of people's finances? So into their flesh. So into their flesh. Oh, I got to have it. Got to have that dress right now. Got to have that purse right now. Got to have the shoes to match too. Oh, and the earrings. Got to have those because they're on sale. There you go, guys. You feeling a little love there? I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to balance it out here before we take communion here. Uh, oh, it's fun. Just swipe the card. That's all you got to do. Just swipe it. Then you get the bill. And then the water heater breaks down. Then your boss cuts back hours. And you're in the pastor's office saying, this tithing stuff don't work. Get out of my office. Bend over while I spank you with my pastoral paddle that Sister Jennifer gave me some years. Bam. Stop blaming God. Amen. Hallelujah. See, if we sow to the Spirit, we know we are going to reap a harvest of good things. If we sow the seed of prayer, if we sow the seed of divine love, if we sow the seed of service, if we sow the seed of offerings and tithe, if we sow the seed of, uh, uh, you know, just doing right and living upright and being right, then you're going to reap health and you're going to reap protection and you're going to reap blessing. 
Because it's a law. It's a law. It's a law. You do marriage the right way, it's going to be heaven on earth. It's a, it's a law. Glory to God. Work this thing to your benefit. And if you need to, judge yourself. That's what I've been saying. That's what the Holy Ghost has just been. Just in love, judge yourself. Because you're going to spend all of eternity based on this zero sometime. And Rex, I don't believe you're going to get to live your life out on planet Earth. I just I don't believe I'm going to get to live my life out on planet Earth. I believe Jesus is coming back. Amen. How would you live your life if, uh, if uh, Jesus showed up and said, uh, you're going to spend uh, the way you spend the next thousand years on planet Earth. I'm going to set that up based on how you live the next 24 hours. The next 24 hours, the way you live, that's going to be the way, the way you live the, the next the 1,000 years on planet Earth. How would you live that 24-hour period? That can be likened unto the zero-sum game. What is 80 years of life on planet Earth compared to eternity? Zero. Zero. Hallelujah. You need to make your mark on planet Earth. So let's grab our communion cups this morning.